and I'll get myself turned on, I apologize. In our psalm tonight, the heading in Psalm 145, it says David's psalm of praise. And that is the only psalm that has that heading. David's psalm of praise. So tonight I want to continue. This will be part five or really just the fifth message as we're thinking about a thankful man is a thankful man. But I, I want to center in tonight on one verse. And we'll look at the vast majority of the chapter tonight or the psalm tonight. But I want to center in on one verse. And this is a thought that we spoke much about last year in our series on generational hope from Psalm 78. But I want to center in on one verse tonight. We began with Psalm 116, verse number 12. The Bible says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all His benefits toward me? Someone tonight tell me, what does that word render mean? What does that mean tonight? Return. What what can I give in return? What, What can I give the one whom I owe everything, whom is due something? What can I give to Him? And so in Psalm 116, 12, it asks the question, What shall I render unto the Lord for all His benefits toward me? And tonight I want to submit something else that we ought to render to the Lord because of all of His wonderful benefits toward us. Psalm 145, David's Psalm of Praise. He said, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever." And ever. Remember Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his what? His holy name. And the psalmist again, he says, I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord. That's something we ought to meditate on, shouldn't we? Because we know what the words mean. We know what great means. And we know who the Lord is. But do we meditate? The psalmist does. He does it in this psalm tonight. He says, great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. And His greatness is unsearchable. By the way, that doesn't mean we shouldn't search it. That simply means that I can search it and 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 I'll never exhaust it. I'll never exhaust His greatness. I can search and search and search. I can look into my own life and think about all the great things that God has done in my own life and I can search and I can search. I can look throughout the Scriptures and think about all the great things that God has done in the Scriptures and for other people, but I'll never exhaust it. He said His greatness is unsearchable. And then verse 4 is really where I want to key in tonight. He says, One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. Can I submit to us tonight another thing, another action, another truth, something else that we can render to God tonight because of everything He's done for us? Another thing that we can render to God because of everything He's done for us is this. We can give Him a generation 
who knows God. We can give Him a generation who knows God, whether that's our own. And by the way, it has to start with my generation. It has to be personal. Because I can never give it to the next generation if it's not personal to me first. And so I should first and foremost give Him me. I should render myself to Him. And then I should give Him a generation who knows God. So... The question tonight, my question tonight for us is twofold. How do we do that? And then are we doing it? Now the second question you have to answer. I can't answer that for you tonight. You have to answer that question. Are you doing it? Okay, but the first question is what we're going to look at tonight. So how do I do that? How do I render, how do I leave behind a generation... Who knows God? And I believe Psalm 145 helps us with that tonight. Of course, I don't believe this is all inclusive, but it without a doubt helps us tonight to answer this question. How do we help the next generation to know God? A thankful man is a thankful man. And a thankful man is going to be a praising man. And a praising man is going to let the next generation know who their God is. And so I want to give you five things tonight, and we'll, we'll go quickly. Five things tonight, five ways tonight that we can help the next generation to know God. Father, thank you for the day that you've already given us. Father, you've already done so much in our hearts and our lives even this morning. Father, we're thankful for, again, as Brother Eric mentioned, we're thankful for those that were here this morning. And Father, I do lift up once again those that might have been here today without You. They've never come to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of Christ. And Father, I pray that in the days to come, even right now at this very moment, I pray that Your Holy Spirit is convicting and bringing the truths back to their minds that we saw in John chapter 3 and verse number 16 this morning. Father, may there even be some tonight that may not even to be may not even be able to rest until they settle this issue of salvation. Father, thank you for what you've already done in our hearts. And Lord, we ask one more time tonight that you teach us, that you would remind us, that you would poke and prod us and move us and stir us. And Father, help us to be a people, just like the psalmist David, who have a desire to praise your works to the next generation so that they can indeed know who you are. So Father, remind us of that tonight. And Father, if we're not doing a good job of it, then Lord, stir us tonight. And Father, don't just stir us and allow us to walk out these doors and go home the same way we came in. Lord, actually change us tonight. Father, help us to see the need to change at times. We hear and we get stirred, but Lord, it doesn't matter if we don't change. And if nothing changes in our hearts and lives. And so, Father, move in our midst tonight and we'll surely thank you and praise you for it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let me give you number one tonight. This is very simple. We find it in verse number three. Really, we find it throughout the entirety of the psalm. But number one tonight, how? How do we render to God a generation who knows Him? 
Number one tonight, we praise His greatness. We praise His greatness. Again, the Bible says there in verse number 3, it says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. The Bible says in verse number 6, And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness, and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. We praise His greatness. Again, we mentioned this just a moment ago in verse number 3. It says His greatness is unsearchable. That doesn't mean that we don't try. That doesn't mean we don't study. That that doesn't mean we don't search out our own lives and think about what God has done for us. No, no, no. It just simply means that God's greatness and who He is and what He does is, is so broad and is so expansive that as much as we could possibly search, we're never going to get to the depths of it. That's how great he is. Let me ask you tonight, let me ask you this question. Did Israel, did David, did they know the greatness of God? Did they? Absolutely they knew the greatness of God. And we could rehash all of that tonight. But they knew the greatness of God. The psalmist David knew the greatness of God. When it says that he is great in his mercy, did David know that? Oh my, read Psalm 32, read Psalm 51. Two Psalms that speak about David returning, being reconciled to God after his sin with Bathsheba. Look, David knew the mercy of God. David knew the greatness of the mercy of God. David knew how great God was. Many would say, well, he knew how great God was because he was king and he had wealth and he had anything that he could desire. and He he was a great uh, soldier and he was a great captain. He was a great king. But more than that, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that he was a man after God's own heart. David knew the greatness of God. We know the greatness of God tonight. You know the greatness of God in the salvation that He has provided for you? Can we stop there? We're not not going to, but could we? Sure we could. The salvation that He has provided, the forgiveness of sins, the the fact that that I don't have to pillow my head every night concerned about where I'm going to spend eternity. I get to wake up every day as a child of the King. I get to go about my day living the abundant Christian life. Now here's the truth. I don't always live it. I don't always partake of the abundant Christian life, but it's there. It's there because my Father is God. How many kids tonight, maybe even some in here tonight, but how many kids tonight all across America and all around this world, they have parents who love God. They have parents who who teach them the Word of God. They have parents who have taught them the Word of God. They have parents who pray for them. They have parents who direct them in the Word of God. But they do not partake of the wonders of that life that their parents have provided for them. And they walk away from it. How many times do I do that with my heavenly Father? How many times do I not, as it says in verse verse 5, I believe it is. No, no, no. No, verse 7. Notice this. And I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get to this in just a moment. But notice verse 7. They shall abundantly utter the what? What's the word there? Memory. 
Memory of what? Of thy great goodness. They don't forget. It's in their memory. Yes, we are prone to wander and we're prone to forget just like the nation of Israel was prone to forget. But the Bible says here in Psalm 145, the psalmist David, he said, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to extol God. I'm going to bless my God. I'm going to bless His name forever and ever. Notice the first two. Every day. Every day. Because here's the truth. If you don't do it every day, you'll forget. You'll forget. He says, every day will I bless thee. We don't do things in our Christian lives because of habit. But listen, habit helps us to do the right thing sometimes. I'll prove that to us. Would you take your Bibles just real quick and then we're going to come back to Psalm 145. Take your Bibles and go to Proverbs 16. Because you hear Christians sometimes, they say, well, I just don't want to be a habitual Christian. And I just don't want to do these things out of habit. I want to do these things out of a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't disagree with that whatsoever. But you know, sometimes there, there are times that we get up on, on a specific day. And you know what? We may not feel the love of Christ that day. We may not even feel like the Lord loves us that day. But you know what? I still do what I'm supposed to do. I still do what the Scriptures tells me to do. Because no matter how I feel, God does still love me. God does love me. And His love ought to constrain me on a daily basis. And the Bible tells me here in Proverbs chapter number 16 and verse number 3. Notice this. Commit thy works. Commit thy works unto the Lord. And thy what? Thy thoughts shall be established. You know, some days I just need to get up and commit my works and then the thoughts will come. I may not feel like I, 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 may not feel like I want to do it. may not feel like the Lord loves me today. May, may not even feel like doing right. But the Bible tells me if I'll get up and commit my works, sometimes, sometimes I was listening to a message this morning before the service and the gentleman was preaching on the second mile Christian. Boy, it was good. You know, he said the, the second mile Christian does what he does out of desire, not out of duty. But here's the truth. Some days, and he made the point, he said, you know what? Some days it's just all about my duties and my responsibilities because I, I don't have any desire that day. And I still do it anyway. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. How do we help the next generation to know God? Number one, we praise His greatness. His salvation, the abundance that He provides for us, the, the family that He's given us. Yeah, I, I, this, this morning, I, several people speak to me about the sweet spirit of our church. I just told them, so you don't have to tell me that. I mean, I'm glad you did. I said, but that's just our folks. They have a sweet spirit because they love the Lord. They're not perfect. They're not perfect because their pastor's not perfect. They're not perfect because we're all flesh. They have a heart's desire to serve the Lord. He said, boy, your church has such a sweet spirit. It's not just, it's not lifeless. It's not just everybody walking around with a, with a scowl on their face. And I'm thinking in my heart, well, maybe come back another service. You may see that, but I, I'm just kidding. 
That's sweet spirit. Our God is great and He deserves our praise. You might be here tonight, and again, we've mentioned this before, but you might say, well, I don't have what other people have. Remember what we said, I don't know, was it last Sunday or recently, one of the, one of the worst enemies of praise, one of the worst enemies of, what's the word, what's the word I'm looking for? Gratitude, that's, that's not my word, but that's a good word. Gratitude is a good word. One of the worst enemies is comparison. We start comparing ourselves to everybody else and then we start looking at self and we're not grateful. Number one tonight, how do we do it? We praise His greatness. His salvation, the family that He's given us, the church family that He's given us, where He's placed us. We praise His greatness. Number two tonight, we really don't even have to leave number one, but For sake of time tonight, number two, not only do we praise His greatness, but number two, we proclaim His goodness. We praise His greatness, but number two tonight, we proclaim His goodness. Notice again, look at verse number seven. He said, They shall abundantly utter the memory of Thy great goodness and shall sing of Thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. Notice what He says in verse number nine. The Lord is good to all. The Lord is good to all and His tender mercies are over all His works. You know what the psalmist is saying there? He's saying that God's mercy can be seen in all of His works. His tender mercies are over all His works. You look at the works of God, you can see His tender mercies. People might ask, well, what about in the Old Testament when, what about when when Judah went into captivity to Babylon and, and Israel went into captivity to Assyria? What about the book of Lamentations? Is that merciful? It absolutely is. Because how long suffering was God with them? How many times did He warn them? By the way, He's much... But before we get so pious tonight, He's much more long-suffering than we are. God is, His mercies are much more tender than ours are. He's much more long-suffering because, boy, we just want to bring the hammer down on people sometimes, don't we? By the way, sometimes we do, don't we? And God, in His long-suffering and in His mercy, the Bible says there that His mercies are over all His works. We proclaim His goodness. And by the way, the Bible, we saw this just recently, Psalm 103. Verse number 14, I believe we saw this last Sunday night. Why is He good to us? I'm not saying this is the only reason, but one of the reasons in Psalm 103 verse 14 is because He knows who we are. The Bible says here, For He knoweth our frame, and He remembereth that we are dust. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. How do we help the next generation? What can I render to God for all of His benefits toward me? I can render a generation who knows God. How do I do that? I praise His greatness. I proclaim His goodness. We're all guilty of this tonight. 
But sometimes our tongues can be more filled with poison than they can be filled with praise. The poison of complaining, the poison of criticism, instead of the praise of our God. And if I were to be transparent tonight, I'm sure there have been times that my children in my home have heard the poison of complaining come out of my mouth. And I hate that. I've told you all recently, whenever I get to be an old man, I don't want to be a grumpy old man. Get off my lawn! I don't want to be one of those guys. I don't want to be that way. Well, if I don't want to be that way then, I shouldn't be that way now. If I don't want to be that way then, I can't be that way now. And instead of the poison coming out of my tongue, it should be the praise, it should be the proclaiming of the goodness of God. This is something very simple, may not mean anything to you, but it meant a lot to me. I had ordered a gift to put in the bags for today, and, and it was my fault, it wasn't anybody's fault but my own, and Time, time gets, this year has gotten away, hasn't it? Oh my, it's gotten away from me quickly, but time had gotten away and I wanted to order this and I ordered it a little bit late, but it was supposed to be here yesterday. I mean, I kept checking, I kept, kept checking the tracking and everything and it was supposed to be here yesterday and then it hit me. Saturday's Veterans Day. And it was supposed to come United States Postal Service. And so I got on my phone and said, and I asked the question, will mail run Saturday on Veterans Day? No! <laughs> we got home yesterday, got to the house about 12.15 after visitation and walked in the house and walked in the kitchen and on the table was a big Amazon box. I know it didn't come. I, um, Josh or Jonathan, they were home, and actually it went to our neighbors. And Mr. Vince brought it on. He said, "He said, I think this is yours." He had opened it. I think this is yours. But it, he he said, "Daddy, I think a Penske truck brought it or something." So it's probably FedEx or something. But you know that was a big deal to me because I wanted those to be in the bag. You know what? That's the goodness of God. That's God answering a prayer. That's God saying, hey, you knucklehead, you waited, you waited really late to do that, but I'm going to make sure it gets there. It got here yesterday. But we praise His greatness. We proclaim His goodness. Let me give you number three. We prize His graciousness. Look at verse number eight. We've already read it. The Bible says, the Lord is gracious. We prize His graciousness. What does the word prize mean? It means to treasure. It means to cherish. It means to esteem. We prize. We hold it in high regard. His graciousness. God giving us that which we do not deserve. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Slow to anger and of great mercy. Drop down to verse number 14 if you would. The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth, excuse me, raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all that wait upon thee. And thou givest them 
their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and holy in all His works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon Him, to all that call upon Him in truth. Notice this, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Can I tell you this night? He doesn't have to do any of that. That, what we read in verses 14 through 19, he, he satisfies us with our meat. He gives us meat in due season. He upholds us. He doesn't have to do any of that. He hears our cry. He doesn't have to do that. We prize, we cherish, we treasure, we esteem, we hold in high regard His graciousness. How's the next generation going to know our God when we praise His greatness, when we proclaim His goodness, and when we prize His graciousness. The fact that He... See, as Americans, boy, we're bad at this and I'm bad at this. Well, I deserve that. I don't deserve anything. Well, I deserve to have this and I deserve to have uh, nice things and I deserve to have these vehicles and I deserve to have nice stuff in my home and I deserve this and I deserve all of these things. I deserve... And listen, we're, we're, we're teaching and help... Allow the Lord to help us a little bit tonight. We're teaching our children that they deserve all of those things. Well, I, I, I want an iPhone 15 for Christmas. I get a job. Those things are expensive. I, you know, I want this, I want that. I, okay. But stuff's not cheap. We can't teach our children to expect to have everything. Well, Pastor, you know, their friends have everything. What kind of a daddy am I if I, don't, if I allow them to have less than what their friends have? You're a good daddy. Teach them they don't have to have everything. By the way, teach them that they're complete in Christ. That, that, that they're, who they are is not bound up in what they wear and what they have. It's bound up in Jesus Christ. Now I understand tonight, listen, I understand tonight, for teenagers who have, who have friends, who have everything, they have the, the nicest clothes, they have the newest clothes, they have the trendiest things. I get it, that's hard sometimes. Because teenagers are no different than we are as adults. They want acceptance. And so do we. But I'm thankful tonight that we are accepted in the beloved. We're accepted in the family of God. We prize His graciousness. He doesn't have to give us any of that, but He does. He says in verse 19, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. He doesn't have to do that, but He does. He didn't have to send Jesus Christ, but He did. Hey, hold your place here. Let's look at two two verses real quickly in the New Testament. Would you look at uh, Romans chapter 5? Would you look there with me? Romans chapter number 5. That's where we were this morning, Romans 5. We prize His graciousness. Romans chapter number 5, one verse. Romans 5, verse number 20. The Bible says, More of the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You know what we do? We treasure that. And we prize it and we esteem it. 
We give it a high place of regard and honor. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. You say again, and we mention this all the time, but well, pastor, if that's true, shouldn't I sin more? Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. So should I sin more? That sounds like a good deal. No, no, no. Paul answers that, doesn't he? Chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What does he say? God forbid. God forbid. One more. Go a little bit further. The book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 2. Don't have this verse memorized or at least underlined in your Bible. You ought to do so. You ought to memorize it. Ephesians chapter number 2. We prize His graciousness. Ephesians chapter 2 in verse number 7. By the way, again, you know what happens when we do that? It teaches the next generation. It teaches the next generation that God's the one that gives. God's the one that gives what we need. God's the one in His graciousness giving us that which we do not deserve. God is the one that supplies, not me, not any of us. It's God who supplies. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 7. He said that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches. The exceeding riches of His what? Of His grace in His kindness toward us. Through Christ Jesus. And then we know verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved. But he says that in the ages to come. He might show the exceeding riches. Of his grace and his kindness toward us. How did we, how did we receive those riches? It was through Christ Jesus. When that grace that bringeth salvation. Titus 2 speaks about hath appeared to all men, Titus 2.11 speaks about. The riches of His grace came in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ when He came and was born and He lived and He died on the cross of Calvary. That's the grace of God. Because we don't deserve any of it. That's how rich, that's how rich, that's how rich His grace is. By the way, kids tonight, Your mom and dad may give you a lot. You ought to be thankful for the richness of their love. You don't deserve it. They don't have to do it. Three three hots and a cot, that's what you ought to get. And if you get more than that, praise God. And by the way, you all get more than that. You get three hots and about 20 colds all throughout the three hots. You go to the fridge, you go to the pantry. <laughs> and I'm going to tell him the other day, Josh came down from doing school and he opened the pantry. He was like, oh, the pantry has been restocked. <laughs> Mom had gone to the store. Oh, the pantry has been restocked. Well, I don't even know if that was the word he used, but something to that effect. And you know what? It doesn't stay stocked very long. 16-year-old with a high metabolism, it doesn't stay stocked very long. Look, how do we render to God a generation who knows God? We prize His graciousness. We proclaim His goodness. We praise His greatness. Then number four, 
we promote His gloriousness. Would you look at verse number 5? His glory. Verse number 5. It says, I will speak of the glorious honor of Thy majesty and of Thy wondrous works. Verse number 11. They shall speak of the glory of Thy kingdom and talk of Thy power to make known to the sons of men His mighty acts and the glorious majesty of His kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and Thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. God will forever be on His throne, will He not? doesn't matter what the, what's going on in the world. God is always on His throne. Now the wonderful thing would be and should be that He's always on the throne of our hearts. That's not, I'm not speaking about salvation there. But many times as Christians, well, we, 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 we take it upon ourselves to set up and to remove kings. You know, the Bible says God sets up and removes kings. There should be one king on our heart's throne, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But sometimes we kind of move him off sometimes, don't we? Uh, you got voted out today. I'm not trying to be irreverent at all, but we do that. Uh, there's something more important than you today. But whether I do that or not, he's still king. He still reigns. And the psalmist David, he said, look, we should speak. He said in verse number 5, I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty. In verse number 11, they shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom to make known, to promote Who is He making it known to? To the sons of men, His mighty acts. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and Thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. That's why one generation praises to another generation. Because who He is in His greatness never changes. It's immutable just like He is. His greatness and His goodness, His graciousness, His gloriousness, it never changes. That's who He is all the time. Number one, we praise His greatness. Number two, we proclaim His goodness. We prize His graciousness. We promote His gloriousness. He deserves all glory. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 and then in Galatians chapter 6, he said, if I'm going to glory in anything in 1 Corinthians 1, he said, I'm going to glory in the Lord. I'm not going to glory in anything else. I'm not going to glory in man's wisdom. I'm not going to glory in the flesh. If I'm going to glory in anything, it's going to be in the Lord. And then in Galatians 6, he says this. He says, I glory in the cross. That's what I'm going to glory in. We promote His gloriousness. If we glory in anything as Christians, it ought to be the Lord Jesus Christ. It ought to be His cross. It ought to be who He is, what He's done for us. And we ought to think on it constantly. Again, in verse number 7, he says, They shall abundantly utter the memory. The memory of thy great goodness. Do your kids ever get tired of you telling your old stories of when you were a kid? Well, let me tell you what I had to do when I was your age. I've done that before and I can see the glaze. Oh, Daddy, we've heard this one. We should never tire of hearing how good God has been to others. 
ever. And by the way, when someone speaks about how good God has been to them, we ought not be jealous of that. He says there, verse 7, They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. Number one, we praise His greatness. Number two, we proclaim His goodness. Number three, we prize His graciousness. Number four, we promote His gloriousness. And then number five, we prove, we prove who God is and who He is to us, to the next generation. We prove with our gratefulness. We prove with our gratefulness. And how do we prove our gratefulness? Let me give you these five quickly. We prove with, excuse me, we prove with our gratefulness. How do we show ourselves grateful? Number one, by submitting. What does he call? What, what are the words he uses in verse number one? He says, I will extol thee, my God, O what? King. We prove by submitting. By the way, it's great to say it, and we're going to talk about that because it speaks about it so many times here in Psalm 145. But people would rather see it than hear it sometimes. I hear what you're saying, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of it. I hear you praising God, but I don't see your life bearing that out. How do we prove our gratefulness? By submitting he says, my God, it's personal. And then he says, O king. Secondly, by serving. By serving, O king. You're my king. I'm subject to you. I'm going to serve. I will extol thee, my God, O king. How do I prove my gratefulness? By submitting, by serving. Number three, by studying. Again, in verse, excuse me, verse number three, use the word unsearchable. Verse number 18, he says, The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon Him, to all that call upon Him in, what's the word? Truth. By submitting, by serving, by studying. All right, so let me ask us tonight. Are you grateful for this? Okay, how much do you study it? And I ask myself the same question. Because even as a pastor, I study it a lot, but I don't study it as much as I should. Not as much as I should. How do I prove my gratefulness? Well, I, I, I tell God I'm grateful. Okay, we're, we're getting to that. But do we study? Do we search His greatness out in the Word? Do we look for the truths in His Word? Or do we just take somebody's word for it? No, He says in verse number 18, it says, To all that call upon Him in truth. How do I prove my gratefulness? By submitting, by serving, by studying. And then fourthly, by speaking. And fifthly, by singing. By speaking and by singing. Verse number two, he says, Every day I will bless thee and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Verse three, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. That's, that's the voice. Verse number four, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall, what's the word there? Declare. That's, that's voice. I will, verse five, speak. How do I prove my gratefulness? By speaking about Him. I will speak 
Verse number 6, And men shall speak, and I will declare. Verse 7 again, I love verse 7. They shall abundantly utter, that's speaking, the memory of thy great goodness. And here we go, verse 7. And shall sing of thy righteousness. Verse number 11. They shall speak. Verse number 11. And talk. Verse number 12. To make known to the sons of men. And verse number 21. My mouth shall do what? Speak the praise of the Lord. And let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. How do we render unto God a generation who knows God? First and foremost, we need to know it. But then we praise His greatness in front of the next generation. We proclaim His goodness to the next generation. We prize His graciousness so the next generation can see it and they can prize His graciousness. We promote His gloriousness. We don't glory in man. We glory in Him. We don't glory in flesh. We don't glory in self. We glory in Him. And then we prove. We prove all of that with our gratefulness. And how do I prove my gratefulness? By submitting and by serving, by studying, by speaking, and by singing. I want you to take your Bibles tonight. We're, we're done. We're almost done. Luke chapter 19. We may preach from this passage on Wednesday night. I'm not sure. It's either this passage or maybe a passage in the book of Micah. Luke chapter number 19. I want to read you something and then we're going to read Luke 19 and we'll be done tonight. Much of how we let the generation know that the next generation know that there is a God is by our voice. It's by speaking and by singing. Okay, that's how we do it. By submitting, by serving, by making sure our actions match up with what what our voices say, right? So we asked the question at the beginning, are we? Are we rendering unto God our praise? And by the way, by the way, this is not just for the adults tonight. This is for all of us tonight. Teenagers, kids alike, young adults, this is for all of us tonight. Are we rendering to the next generation a generation who knows God? Are, are, are we praising? Do we praise His greatness? Do we proclaim His goodness in the presence of the next generation? Or do they hear more complaining than praising? I get it. We all do it sometimes. And God help us. God forgive us. But they should hear more praising than they do complaining. My wife showed me this. Just a couple of days ago. Oh, this better open. And I knew what we're going to be looking at tonight, and so I wanted to I wanted to read this to you. She showed me a post about a pastor who was the pastor of his church for 44 years. Uh, he just he just became pastor emeritus a few years ago and he was, he was traveling and preaching, uh, preaching out a lot. 
But let, let, let me read you her post. This is his wife. It said, the alarm sounded at 4.30 this morning. I really didn't need to set the alarm last night as I watched the clock slowly tick by. On one side, my husband slept soundly. On the other side, my daughter slept. Me? I just lay there thinking and reminiscing. There was one last that I failed to mention in my post yesterday, she says. Mainly because it didn't happen until we were checking into the hospital room about 5.30 last night. Again, this is a pastor. He pastored his church for 44 years. Not old. He's he mid-late 60s. He's still young. He started pastoring there in his early 20s. He said, Allie Hall was at the desk giving us our room key and instructions. And my husband struck up a conversation with her. Allie, he said, tomorrow... They are removing my voice box. He had cancer in his voice box. They had to remove his voice box. Not going to be able to talk anymore. He said, you may be the last person that I can share this news with before that happens. He proceeded to give her God's wonderful news of salvation and through the grace of God, Allie prayed and asked Jesus into her heart. None of us tonight are going through that. You still have your voice box tonight. You know how the next generation is going to know God? From our generation speaking about Him. And one of these days we may not have the opportunity. Now, He'll still have opportunity. He can still learn sign language and all. He probably already knows it. But she's, she said, his wife said, That is one last I will never forget. Our night continued with many sweet times of laughter and tears, having devotions with our daughters. Katie joined us on FaceTime. Her travel plans changed abruptly that morning as the one who was watching her children became sick and there was no one else to keep the children. My husband talked with each of the grandkids, read notes from them, and we opened up sweet gifts from each of our girls. One of our girls surprised her dad with a check from a fundraiser that he had no idea about and more tears flowed, mine, not his. I'm reminded of so many verses as I type this in the waiting room. Soon they will call me back to join my husband for the next last, the last time she'd ever get to hear him speak. She said, in the meantime, I meditate on so many wonderful truths that, that will permeate my day with his strength. Preacher who preached faithfully I mean, a great man of God for 44 years. Actually, more than that. He was just pastor for 44 years. And he's not going to be able to do that. But I guarantee he's thankful that he used the years that God gave him. You say, I don't want to look back in regret and think about, I didn't do this, I didn't do this, I didn't use the ability, I didn't use the health that God gave me, I didn't use the opportunities, I didn't use the wherewithal that God gave me for those years, and now I'm here and I can't do that anymore and I can't go back and ever do it again. God said, the psalmist, he said, one generation should praise your works to the next generation. And if we're going to render another generation to God who knows God, We've got to praise His works. We've got to praise His might. 
and not be fake about it. We're flesh. Hey, kids tonight, I, tell, I say it to you all the time. Your parents are flesh. Don't give them such a hard time. They're flesh just like you are. They're going to fail. When they fail, give them some grace and mercy, just like the grace and mercy they give you. But adults tonight, we have to praise the greatness and the goodness and the graciousness of God, the gloriousness of God to the next generation. What shall I render unto the Lord for all His benefits toward me? Here's what I can render another generation who knows Him. Now they have to decide what they're going to do with it. You can't make anybody do anything. But you can sure pave the path for them. And let them hear all of us praising God for how great He is. Not for what little we don't have, but for how great our God is. And we better do it now. We better do it now. Don't know what tomorrow holds. Don't know what a year holds. You don't. You don't. You don't know what you. You don't know that in a month from now you can still do what you're doing right now, and so do it now. God gives us right now to do what we can. Do it now. Don't don't waste. Hey kids, don't waste. <laughs> Pastor tells some sappy story about a guy losing his voice box. I'm 16. That ain't gonna happen to me. Okay, everything being equal, it's probably not gonna happen to you for a long time. So why would you waste any time that you do have? Why would any of us waste the time that we have? Because there's a generation who needs to know the God that we serve. There's a generation who needs to know that the God we serve is real and that He's great. That He's greater than any problem that we have. He's greater than any circumstance that can come into our life. He's good to us, and it's His glory that we lift up. A thankful man is a thankful man, and a thankful man is a praising man. And a praising man praises his God and his works so that the next generation can hear and so the next generation can know his God. Father, thank you for the time you've given us tonight. Father, help and work. Father, help us to be thankful individuals so that we can be thankful. And Lord, I, I, I am convinced that if we're thankful, that we will be a praising people. I, I am confident tonight, I'm convinced tonight, that if we're a thankful people, that we will extol and bless your name. And we will praise your works to the next generation. And that generation will praise your works to the next generation. And so on and so on for generations to come. Father, help tonight, Lord, if we need to do business with, with you, may you help us to do so. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Miss Pam's at the piano. She's going to play. We're not going to prolong tonight, but if you need to come, if you need to bow right where you're at, if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, you need to come. If you don't know Christ tonight, you need to come. Believer, 
A thankful man is a thankful man. A thankful man is a praising man. A praising man is going to praise God's mighty works to the next generation. If you're doing that, praise the Lord. If you're doing good, praise His holy name tonight. If you're not, then maybe we would bow the knee tonight and say, Lord, help me. Lord, help more of your praise to come out of my lips than the poison of complaining or the poison of criticism. I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. Hey, sir, has anybody at your work ever heard you praise your God? Has your children, have your children ever heard you praise your God? By the way, next Tuesday night, November the 21st, we'll come in here at 7 o'clock and you'll have opportunity not to praise man, not to praise yourself, but to praise your God. And to allow the next generation to know who your God is. How great thou art. Amen. He is great, isn't He? And may we leave tonight with that on our minds. And may we utter that memory tomorrow of how good and how great and how gracious and how glorious He is. May that be our heart even tomorrow. Let's pray. We'll be dismissed. I'm going to ask Brother Rick Jurdak to pray for us tonight and dismiss us. Look forward to seeing everybody Wednesday night, 6.30 for Master Club, 7 o'clock in here for prayer and preaching. Brother Rick, you dismiss us tonight, please, sir.